Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. When I was in high school, I worked as a landscaper. Uh, as we were working, we'd turn on the radio, and being from southwestern, rural southwestern Michigan, uh, usually that meant the country station. Uh, my boss used to come by and, and say, see those trees over there? Yeah, you're killing them with that awful music. <laughs> and while he may have been exaggerating just a bit, uh, it does illustrate that things, uh, and particularly music, is not neutral. Uh, try watching a movie with the, 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 with the music cut out, and it's a completely different experience. Things matter. And this is particularly true with worship. There's an ancient saying, lex orandi, lex credandi, uh, which means how you worship determines what you believe. How you worship is what you believe. Worship is not then a matter of preference, but belief. And to put it plainly, what happens here uh, affects your idea of who God is. And conversely, your idea of who God is affects how you worship. God wants to guide us into all truth, as we heard in our gospel lesson. And that means that there can't be many right truths, many right ways to, to believe about God, but only one truth. Of course, that means also there can be many wrong beliefs. Worship reflects belief. Belief reflects worship. If the majority of what happens here uh, is merely a, a transfer of information uh, of the preacher telling you how God wants you to live, giving you some, some basic instructions before leaving earth, that says that God's a lawmaker concerned primarily with this life. Uh, if the majority of what happens here is geared toward manipulating your emotion, uh, making you feel a certain way, uh, then that says that God is not primarily active in, in working in objective human history, but only subjectively working in here. And, and then salvation becomes tied to, to how I feel, rather than what God objectively says. If what happens here is you performing for God, you giving something to God, your worship, your feelings, your, your, your praise, your, your good works, if God needs something from you, then God is neither gracious nor powerful. It's been said that when you come to church, church should be a house of gifts. God giving you his good gifts. And this is a distinction that our church, the Lutheran church, has historically tried to make clear. We call what we do on Sunday, uh, not usually worship, we call what we do on Sunday the divine service. It's God serving you. It's God's service to you primarily. And if you look through the, Old, the, the New Testament and the Old Testament and, and you examine what's happening, whenever Christians gather for, for worship, they're always receiving. The primary direction 
is not up, but down. Not, not me to God, but God to me. As we heard in James, James says, every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the lights who does not change or shift like a shadow. God does not change, right? And so that means when, when we gather, we don't gather, we don't pray, we don't sing so that we can change God's attitude towards us. We don't gather so that we can manipulate God and change his attitude. That would be a sacrifice. Whether, so whether you or, or, or I worship or, or not, however we feel, that does not change God's attitude towards us. He does not reward me for giving up an hour on Sunday. Rather, worship through praying, through speaking, and singing God's word, I don't change God. God changes me. James continues, just as he planned, he gave us birth by the word of truth. The word of God gives life through the truth. It does something. It's powerful. It converts dead hearts and makes them to be alive, making us a, to be a first fruits of the new creation. But just think how God does that. Of course, we say that he does it by means of his word. But how does that happen? God not only had the authors of Holy Scripture write the very words he wanted them to write, but God gave us eyes to read it, ears to hear it. And not only that, but God created the physics of sound. Uh, sound travels from a speaker to a hearer because God created my vocal cords and God created the eardrum in your ear. And both those things vibrate uh, so that sound waves, which are traveling not through a vacuum, but through actual physical air, are, are turned into something that you and I can understand. Through all these, these gifts, these physical things, God has given us his life-giving word. He brings his life-giving grace to you. And it is God to you. We see this in our gospel lesson. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. He's about to be betrayed and, and nailed to the cross. He will die, and it will seem the disciples will be left all alone. But they're not. He comes to them through his word. And he himself proves this a few days later on Easter Sunday. When the disciples are, are gathered together behind locked doors, Jesus walks right through them. He's not bound by physical things. But then he does something physical. He speaks. He says, peace be to you. And then he breathes on them. And he gives them the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. The Holy Spirit, who proceeds in the Father and the Son to give life to the world, to give life to you, comes to you through means of his word. And this is not our doing. It's God's. Jesus says, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. So when you hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes. And he always does something. He convicts us of our sin. 
He convicts us of our lack of righteousness and our judgment. If we were righteous, then we would have something to give to God, something to offer to God. But we don't. Only Jesus ascended to God because he was perfect. We can't ascend to God through our thoughts, our feelings, or our worship. So that means God must descend to us. And he does. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, Jesus says, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Word of God not only shows us our sin, but it shows us our Savior. The Gospel tells us that we have been declared righteous by Jesus. Through the Gospel spoken by a pastor, through a friend, through a child, the Holy Spirit proclaims that you are forgiven. The Gospel through the words spoken and then heard by you through the physics of sound and the human body that God has created brings Jesus to you. And when Jesus comes to you, he brings gifts. Gifts of forgiveness, of life, of salvation. And so when you sing, this is what you're doing. Yes, you're thanking God by singing and proclaiming his name, but you're also, as Isaiah says, declaring among the people what he has done. When you're singing God's word, you are declaring what God has done to the people around you. When you sing, the Holy Spirit brings Jesus to the person sitting next to you. Not just in an emotional way, but, but really, in truth, Jesus is brought to the person sitting next to you by your singing. And so if you're in the habit of, of not singing or having the hymnal closed because you're not a great singer, Get over yourself. Stop thinking so highly of yourself. Sing. The efficacy of God's word does not depend on your singing ability. It's God's word. It does what God wants it to do. The raspiest voice is greater than the voice of a king when it's declaring God's word. The person singing God's word is a greater singer than anybody you'll hear on the radio. And trust me, you won't kill any trees. <laughs> Mistakenly, we sometimes think that Jesus' physical absence places us at a disadvantage. And so we look for our comfort in our ability to do things, in our worship. But in fact, Jesus comes to us without our doing. And he always will. As long as you have two or three poor, miserable sinners gathered around the Word of God, you have God's good gifts. Right now, one of our synod's pastors happens to be on his deathbed from cancer. Now, just a few days ago, the fellow pastors in his circuit gathered around via phone and said goodbye for now to him. Uh, and they brought to him Christ's comfort. And they did so by singing to him. They sang the great hymn, Behold a host arrayed in white. Let me read the last verse for you. Then hail, ye mighty legions, yea, all hail, now safe and blessed for a. 
and praise the Lord who, with his word, sustained you on the way. Ye did the joys of earth disdain, ye toiled and sowed in tears and pain. Farewell now bring your sheaves and sing, salvation's glad refrain. Swing high your palms, lift up your song, yea, make it myriad voices strong. Eternally shall praise to thee, God, and the Lamb belong. So sing, cantate. Everything the Father has is yours, a gift from God to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.